Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 374. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy to have you here, and I'm also thrilled to introduce today's guest, Mamika Cooney. Mamika is the author of Warrior to Warrior, A Mother's Journey from Fear to Faith. Oh my gosh, it sounds like I could have written that book because I understand it completely. I'm, I'm so looking forward to discussing it with you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, I know. We were having some conversations off air. And we thought, you know what? We actually just need to get this on air because this is so relevant to what we're talking about today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Listeners, sometimes you should just be a fly on the wall or a fly in Skype. Maybe that would be the better way of saying it. Just listening to our pre-chat because they are so rich. Not in, I don't know if content's the right, is content the right word, Mimika? Just Yeah, I suppose just the topics of conversation that we get into, right? Yeah. You know, and I always think, yeah, it would be great to have like five to 10 minutes. And now here we are like a half hour in and we're like, oh, you know, that would have been awesome content for this whole episode. I mean, it really was just us chatting, having our virtual coffee or whatever you're drinking right now. And it would have been awesome. So anyway, listeners, I'm rambling. Sorry. Let's jump in. I would love for you to share where you came from. And I already know a a bit, but where you came from and how you came to write your book. Sure. Well, listeners might be interested to know it's, I think it's when you first hear of your podcast, you had me on the show. And that was when I was pretty much in the throes of running my online marketing business, dealing with clients and teaching a lot about video marketing. Now, if you can even remember the days pre-video, I was mentioning earlier, like in 2013, I was I really love the idea of interviewing other people because you really can get to, you know, conversations and create those networks and relationships with people. So I wanted to create a video show. So what I started doing is digging into it and realized there was a software company that was charging $350 an episode to host a show, which I thought was totally fabulous. Anyways, a little, a few months down the line, it's pretty not sustainable. And as technology has occurred, and I can't even believe it's like less than five years ago. Now we look at today, fate, Everybody can hop on Facebook Live, right? In between that whole process of changing over and getting into video, I really love the concept of helping people share their message. You know, everybody's got a story to share, and many of us don't know how to actually put it out there. So part of what I do is I'm a branding strategist and a marketing, you know, I help with marketing. And I really got excited about sharing and teaching and about video marketing. So anyway, you know, we have our ideas, but life throws us curveballs and what I call, you know, the lemons, I like to make lemonade out of them. Um, Every opportunity that comes around sometimes doesn't exactly present itself in the best way. During that process, you know, while I'm I'm a mom, I've got three kids aging between the elder, my eldest is 19 in college, I have a 17 year old and a seven year old, you know, and being a working mom has its own challenges. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 16. As you can tell from my accent, I'm not from around here. I was born and raised in South Africa. And I've lived in England, but I have been in the USA for 12 years now. And during that time, I've started about four different types of businesses, including a professional photography studio, a marketing business, um, and consulting. 
and throughout that, I've always had this sort of like, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta do, gotta do, you know, this sort of hustle mentality, always busy, throwing myself from one project to another, never really taking care of myself. Oh, I'll get there when I get there. And then once I hit my 40s, I was like, my body was like, wait a minute, something's up. 20 years of stress, 20 years of living on adrenaline. And, um, and I could tell there were some signs. I was, you know, feeling tired. I was getting sick more often, you know, went from one antibiotic to another, just, you know, couldn't sleep properly, getting really aggravated with, you know, always in a bad mood, feeling frustrated with things. And then in 2016, things really came to a head. So pretty much I had um, one of my children had been suffering with depression. And as a mom, one of the most frustrating things is, is when your, your child is hurting and you can't help them. I've dealt with all types of business problems, which pale in comparison to when you have a child that you feel like you don't know how to help. Because first of all, you know, you've got the mother's guilt that comes flying at you. Like, you didn't do this, and why didn't you do this? You shouldn't be working so hard, and why didn't you notice the signs, and why didn't you intervene earlier, and all that, you know, pack your bags, we're going on a guilt trip. Anyway, so, I mean, three years of really, you know, struggling through the school system, trying to figure out a better way, and trying to help my son while, you know, trying to piece, patchwork things around. And then I went away on a conference, actually a speaking convention, and I got a phone call from my husband and he's like, something is seriously wrong. And I was like, I could just tell in my gut that something was wrong and something was coming to an head. And, you know, my child was in such a, de- a deep state that he wouldn't get out of bed. He wouldn't eat. And we were in like, okay, what do we do? I felt like this was an emergency. And literally I realized that was like a big smack in the face. Like you have to stop what you're doing and you need to focus on your family. And, you know, when things are just going and carrying on, it's hard to feel like you can get off the roundabout when it's spinning it at such a hundred miles an hour. But Sometimes things come at you that force you to stop and take stock. So, you know, I really needed to focus on my family. My other child was heading off to college and needed to deal with getting all that college application, which is a job in itself. And then six weeks later, my mother-in-law passed away. And she had been suffering terribly with cancer. I mean, we knew she was ill, but the way in that she suffered, I mean, she had radiation and chemo. The last year of her life was spent in a wheelchair. Now, I must admit that um, I'm a woman of faith. I've been a Christian since I was 10 years old and I've walked with the Lord throughout my life. Sometimes not as close as I should have and always feel like I've, okay, I've got this. I've got this. Don't worry. I know. I know. I'll just, I'll get it done. But when she died, it totally rocked my world. It was kind of probably like the straw that that broke the camel's back because throughout this process, I had done about three, three different launches for myself for courses and products I was launching. I'd done them for clients, but doing them for myself, you know, it's a little more personal and they didn't work. They totally tanked. I lost money on them. So for me, I felt like a complete failure on the business here. I'm helping other people build their businesses and being meanwhile back at the ranch, I'm a hot mess. And you know, there's only so much energy and and, and it's only for a certain amount of time that you can keep up appearances until all things fall apart. And literally things were threading away at a rapid rate. So when my mother-in-law passed away, I literally hit burnout and I've never experienced physical grief like that before like I've had family members pass away and I've been aware but this was something that was kind of like what I call the trifecta approach where like I was like God why would you allow her to suffer like that and we're praying for her we're believing for a miracle and healing and she was a woman of faith she ministered to women she had her own um, ministry Um, she did lots of things and I was thinking you know how can this happen and then of course you know feeling like I couldn't control anything in my own home and then my body was physically like I remember getting out, trying to get out of bed the one day and I just couldn't move. I was like, 
heart palpitations, breathing, like why am I hyperventilating? Meanwhile, I didn't even realize what these things were and realized I was having like these anxiety attacks. And I don't even like to label things because it's our body saying, listen, you need to take, pay attention. Something's not right. It's like shut up and stop, right? Yeah, it's like how much, how many more signs do I have to tell you? And I'm the kind of person that I don't believe in taking medication. And let me just give you a disclaimer. I'm not saying this is something you need to do. This is my own personal feeling. Like I believe when my body is showing me signs that something's wrong, if there's pain, before I grab those pain pills, I need to know, okay, why am I like this? Like if I've got a stress headache, well, duh, maybe you need to, you know, alleviate the stress. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Go lie down, take a bubble bath, get away from your computer. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm, I can't focus anymore. My eyes are really dry. Like go take a nap. A 20 minute power nap is, will do you wonders. So for me, when my body physically, and that's what I'm saying is I kind of knew something was coming, but I was pushing and pushing and pushing, just trying to see how far I could take it. Cause I, it was almost like, ain't nobody got time for this. I don't get time to fall apart. Like who, you know, seriously, this is not in my calendar. It's not on my schedule. Like seriously, I don't have time for this, but Eventually, I was like, physically, I couldn't get out of bed. Mentally, I was drained. Physically, my body was so tired. And just because I have been a worry wart since I can remember. I have, my mom is English and South African. My dad is Greek. And it's kind of like amongst the Greek women, we worry. Like, oh, we worry, you know. Oh, that's just what you do. And for me, if I wasn't worrying about something and, you know, concerned and being anxious about something, I felt like I wasn't working hard enough. Mimika, I am sitting over here just laughing because seriously, you could be my twin sister. I'm sure, right? I'm telling, I'm vocalizing what's going on in your mind, right? My nickname <laughs> as a child was Worrywart and it yeah. carried on until, well, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything. I mean, it took me until February, three months ago to finally really start listening to my body. And I wound up in the hospital for four days because I thought I had a heart attack. Yeah. But I just wasn't listening. No, you weren't listening. You probably pushed yourself to, your body was like, I physically can't take this anymore. Cause yeah. And once I went through this, I was like, okay, something's wrong. I need to go see the doctor. And the doctor was like, you are taxing your adrenal system. You are almost at the point of adrenal fatigue. Your liver, your kidneys, your heart. I mean, I'm only like, I'll admit I'm 41, but he says, your body is acting like it's in its 60 because you, I've lived on adrenaline, especially because I met and married my high school sweetheart. We've been married for 23 years. We've had three children. We immigrated twice within a five-year period. Uh, two babies in that period of 10 years of when we moved country, restarted companies. And during that whole period, I never gave myself time to breathe. And it's almost like here in the States as well, it's like, whoa, you want to take a week off for a vacation? That is, should be the absolute minimum. I mean, in South Africa, where I came from, six weeks is usually how much time you take off for you. And I know when you're in this hustle mentality and we're just so used to it because everyone else is, what eventually happens, you know, you can get away with it when you're in 20s and maybe in your 30s. What are we going to do with ourselves in our 40s and 50s and 60s if we've worn ourselves out? Just like any machine or any car. If you don't are here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, is it really worth it if you think about the stressful nights and trying to get things for clients. Yes, they're paying you, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, money in the bank is fine, but it doesn't buy you health. Like if you don't have your mental faculties, if you're not at peace with what you're doing, and that's a whole nother story we can go into about the frustrations of me not actually walking in the calling that I know God has designed for me. And everything I did was a total strain on my you know, internal belief system. 
and that in constantly walking around like a vicious cycle of stress, frustration, anxiety, physical tiredness, and then you know, as, as you mentioned, you're a mom too. You know, mom is not allowed to get sick. Mom isn't allowed off days. You know, you just have to be on board. But what do you do when you can't do anything anymore? And I really had to take stock in this whole process, and I totally broke down physically, emotionally, mentally, and that is when I really got on my knees. I mean, I have had. I've got calluses on my knees from praying. And that's when you start to realize, what do you really believe in? Like I had been a Christian since I was 10, did the whole good Christian girl thing, went to youth group, um, went to church every Sunday, did my thing, read my Bible. But that isn't what it's about. It's like, what do you really believe in? What motivates you to do what you think? Because I totally believe that God's a gentleman and he wants to do life with us. It's not just what you do on Easter or Sunday and, you know, you thing that you tick off your list. It's not like these little, I'm sure you and I, Kim, have these long lists of, you know, tick them off as we go down the production schedule. And It's a mile long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know we have a conversation about the whole productivity thing, honey, uh-huh. but let's get back to the story. But literally, I had to really understand, you know, what is it that I really believe in? Why am I doing this? And why am I here? Because really, that is the crux of the matter is if we don't have that internal you know, peace and knowing that you are doing what you were born and designed to do, there's going to be this frustration exhibit itself in your physical body. Eventually, I mean, and part of this whole reason I wrote this book is, first of all, is to help other people who are in that dark place. Because when I was in that situation, I couldn't find resources. I found a lot of like academic books like how the brain works and how memory works and ADD and, you know, anxiety and written from a medical perspective, but nobody was sharing their story of what's it like to be a mom when you feel like your world is falling apart. Heaven forbid I tell the neighbors that I don't have my life together. Like, I'm not perfect. Oh, shock what they're going to think, right? And us women are terrible at that. We tend to want to put on this brave face. We want to just put our highlight reel on social media to show everybody the fabulous places we go on vacation. Meanwhile, you're crying yourself to sleep at night. You are so exhausted. You know, you physically feel horrible, but you're telling everyone you're fine. And we have Mount Downey growing on our couches of all the laundry that has not been sorted. So we can't open up our door when anybody comes to check on us because I know, right? is a wreck. <laughs> you know, everything's fine until it's not. Yeah. Well, what do you do when you get to that stage? And, I'm not, and I wrote the book particularly to mothers because it was my journey of feeling like I had to give, I had to hand everything over to God because I knew there has to be a, a bigger power and a understanding of I realized I cannot run my life myself as much as I like to think I can I might have learned this the skills and techniques but at the end of the day it really comes down to purpose like if you are focused on perhaps trying to build a business because all you want to do is to get great gain influence and you want people to know you and you want to get that because believe me I chased accolades and accreditations and awards you know Mm -hmm. for years and I have a resume that shows that but to me that really at the end of the day when I felt like my mental health was threatened, when my family life was threatened, all that stuff was meaningless if I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And part of that is really having to revisit what I really believed. And my whole book was really, how do I challenge my mindset? Because it really speaks to my on a mindset level of how to connect your mind and your heart again. Like I was living so much in my head. I wasn't living by what my heart was telling me. It was creating this physical you know, physically it was showing up as anxiety and stomach issues and headaches and tiredness and because there was this constant warring between the two. So this whole book is literally a very vulnerable and raw account of what I went through during that 
time period and how God brought me through that, showed me hope, gave me back my joy, showed me, you know, why I'm here and what I'm meant to be doing with my life. And I tell you, I'm, I'm more peaceful now than I've ever been in my life. And I feel like I've worked through those because all of us have issues. Okay, I'll admit I had childhood issues, came from a broken family. My parents got divorced when I was 10. I was totally that girl with the overachiever trying to, you know, pretend I was had it all together, suffered from those rejection issues. And this is part of what I share about in the book is a lot of us have roots that go back to our childhood mm-hmm. that exhibit themselves when we're adults, but because we've never dealt with them, we just think that's just the way life is. Right. But it's like if you're walking around life and you think this is how you see the world, until someone hands you a pair of eyeglasses and you see the world in Technicolor 2020, you never knew what you were missing. So it's kind of that approach, right? When I totally had a wake up and I realized, okay, why am I here? What am I doing with my life? How do I work through this? How do I get over that fear of constantly not doing enough, not being perfect enough, not, you know, all the list is fear, anxiety, you know, rejection, perfection, comparison, that whole thing. I cover all of that in the book. And it's really my journey of how I had to revisit and go through that inner healing. And once I was healed internally, realigned my head and my heart so that I'm now walking the purpose that I believe God has created for me. And that's where we find peace. Yes, it is. It's not on the Jamaican beach. It's within yourself. And that's why I feel I'm so passionate about sharing this now is I can teach you about marketing. I can help you with those marketing automations. I can help you build a brand. And But at the end of the day, if you don't have your motivation in the right place, it's pretty much not going to take you where you want to go. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I started my business in 2012. And for the first three plus years, I was chasing income. And accolades, just like you said, notoriety. I wanted to build my list as big as I could. I wanted to get as many followers on social media as I could. But I had no purpose behind what I was doing. I was doing virtual assistants. I was doing marketing. I had no purpose, though. I just wanted the money in my bank account. And I wanted the vacation in Jamaica. You know? That's anything wrong with that as a motivation. No. You know, you can change lives when you make money and you you help people who are perhaps you're a business owner and you want to help be philanthropic by you investing your money in somebody else who is going. And, oh, absolutely. And I'm not necessarily saying that, but is it right for you? Was your motivation in the right spot? Were you mostly change, chasing? Because here's the thing, what I realized. I kept thinking, I have thought this way of wanting to be a high achiever. And, you know, when I do things, I do things with excellence. But it was, you know, pretty much in the perfection. If it wasn't perfect, I would beat myself up. And I am my own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that, why was I so bent out of having to prove myself to everybody that I'm intelligent, I have got skills, I'm an influencer, I'm able to influence people? What was that real reason? And when, once I started digging in, I realized I had a rooted rejection way back from when my childhood. Like I had a very bad incident of being bullied as a teenager and always felt like I never fit in. I was never in the popular group. I was one of those you know, bookworms who loved to read and used to get teased because, you know, I was different than everyone else. And those kind of created those. I'm sure how many of us listening is remember a time on the school playground where somebody really made you feel bad and you said, I'm never going to let them hurt me like that again. Yeah. Making those promises to myself and never realized that that was a seed that was planted deep within my soul that eventually started to grow. And I watered it with pride and, and watered it with comparison and then you know, put it out in the sun for to shine to get all those accolades. Everyone would see what how awesome it is. But at the end of the day, the root and the seed 
was in the wrong place. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And eventually what happens is that tree grows and creates fruit that's rotten. If that fruit isn't started in, as a seed in the right place, no matter how much money you make, how many followers. I know here's another interesting thing. When I went through that whole depression mode, I totally fell off social media. I physically had nothing else, nothing left to give people. And I thought having social media followers was so important. Nobody noticed. It took like nine months for people to go, oh, you know what, I actually haven't heard from you. I didn't send out a newsletter. I didn't do any social media posts. I literally had an automated system that just uploaded these quotes every couple of days. No one bothered to ask, how are you doing? Like, even those business connections I'd made, once those people had felt they got out of me what they needed, they didn't even bother to ask. So that's why I had to realize, was I putting my energy and my self-worth and identity and what other people thought of me? So when the tacky really hit the tar, when I needed the help, there was no one around to give it to me. I mean, I say no one. I'm talking about like in social media and the world. Of course, family members and close friends, they were the ones who really helped me through it. And it just made me realize my value system had been put in the wrong place. So it was a really painful but necessary process for me to dig out those seeds and roots and realize, you know, even though I was rejected as a child, I don't need to let that taint the rest of my decisions. And now that I look back over this and very thankful that God was able to very gently and very caringly take me through the process one step at a time. And now I can look back and say, even though I had done these things and I've got acquired these skills, I can still use them. But now that I have my mindset and my peace, I can make far better decisions. So I'm not pushed by what I feel other people demand of me. So that at the end of the day, I can get to my 80s and actually enjoy my great grandchildren because I don't plan on leaving earlier than I need to. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you found since you found your purpose and since you started sharing it with the world that your tribe is more engaged and that you're more like a family now? Well, exactly. And that's the feel. I mean, this is one of the things we mentioned as well before we started recording is, you know, I've been a woman of faith and a Christian since I was 10, but I was always filtering my faith. I didn't want to offend people because mm-hmm. I'm not saying what I believe is what you have to believe. I'm just sharing what I have experienced in my own personal journey. And that's what I included in the book. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a a scholar, but this is what God just revealed to me throughout my walk with him. And I realized that part of the big frustration is I was dealing with people, helping clients build, even say build a marketing funnel or, or a launch for a product that I didn't believe in. And any marketing school you go to says you have to believe in the product if you want to sell it or advertise it. And I just felt it was a complete, was in opposition to what I believed in. And, and it was just creating some internal frustration. There's, I couldn't pretend to be on board with something that I had I didn't believe in. It was really making me feel uncomfortable. So I realized is that I had built an audience of people. And, you know, it's fine to help those. And I'm not saying you, you don't deal with people who don't believe what you believe. But if it creates this internal friction within you, that is a big clue that maybe you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Because I really believe when you're working in your purpose, things will flow. You'll, you will attract the people who are you're meant to be your friends. Like you go out like kids. You just need to see it. You know, you, they're out in the playground. They're not necessarily going to go hang out with every child in the playground. They kind of gravitate with people who are like them. And I think that's part of our misunderstanding is we feel like we have to appeal to everybody. But at the end of the day, when you connect with those right people who have the right, right mindset, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're big numbers, like I'd mentioned to you, through this whole process, I'd filtered and pretty much deleted 50% of people on my email list because 
they're not my people. If they're not your people, like it's like going to a party and you don't get to speak to anyone and everyone else is doing things and that make you uncomfortable. Like, what are you doing there? You shouldn't even be there. And that's what I found. I, I was arriving at parties that, you know, I didn't feel like I fit. And sometimes it's like a huge sign that maybe there's something else there for you. But we're often, as, especially as entrepreneurs, once you've built something, you don't want to walk away. And there's this whole stigma about failure. And I don't believe in failure. Sometimes I believe there is a time to gracefully bow out and go, you know what, this worked for a time. And maybe it's a seasonal thing, but maybe it's not for me. Maybe there is somebody else who is better equipped to do this and somebody else who's more passionate. But I need to find my purpose and my passion because once you do something that you are aligned to do, things will feel like natural to you. And they won't have to feel like such a hustle or such a strain. And, and that's what I realized is that I thought the hustle was, you know, was what we all had to do. But sometimes it's when you're hustling that hard that it's creating physical issues that maybe, just maybe, it's a consideration to think of, is this where I should be? So, yeah, I know. Absolutely. (laughs) No, that's exactly what I had happen too. You could say everything that has happened to you and you could just replace you with me. Well, there you go. Have you learned anything from the process? Number one, stop hiding mm-hmm. and be more transparent and authentic. That's why I don't hide the bloopers anymore. I mean, I've gotten onto videos, webinars, looking like me instead of worrying about, you know, makeup and what I'm wearing. And, you know, stop worrying about saying the perfect thing at the perfect time, because the message that I have to share right now is what somebody needs to hear. So stop overthinking everything. Exactly. And I think when we control freaks, I mean, I I officially given up my membership to the Control Freaks Anonymous group. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Seriously, like done is better than perfect. And perfection is something you can never achieve. So what's the point in trying? But excellence is something we can all strive for. If we can put our best efforts. But the difference is when you strive for excellence, you're doing the best you can. But sometimes things are better. 80% done, it's better than 100% not done. And I mean, even like this whole process, like with this book that I've written, I literally did everything myself because first of all, I got tired of trying to pitch my idea to publishers who just didn't get the vision. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do it myself. So I self-published everything and I did everything from the writing to the editing to cover layout, getting it published online, all the social media. And I did every process and not saying necessarily what you do, but just because I come from, this is what I was doing for clients doing it for myself. And I realized that, you know, knowing that this is something I'm super passionate about, and this was a total labor of love. I know that somebody needs to hear this because when I was in that situation, and not all of us have the opportunity to, okay, okay, let's pull ourselves through. I've heard so many sad stories of people who just give up, who literally are not with us today because they didn't have any other alternatives but to leave. And I'm like, that is not something, I mean, and I'll be honest, I had those thoughts too where I was totally suicidal. I was like, okay, I never took any action, but I was like, what is the point of me being here? I'm not happy. This is not working. I just need out. I need to exit the game and step off the train. It's just not working for me. And I feel like that is so much more important than helping people, you know, helping them walk and finding out that purpose and really, really aligning them to what our God-given destiny and calling um, because we all have those signs that perhaps we had as kids or things that we find naturally you know usually like a five-year-old think of your five-year-old self like what were you like at that age and 
what were the things you naturally gravitated towards? And I mean, you can tell, like, I totally believe in this child prodigy thing that you can often tell somebody's abilities when they're five because they're not filtering everything. They're not thinking, oh, I mean, even now that my daughter's almost eight, I can tell the difference between when she was five and eight is huge because now she's worried about, you know, I better do this right or maybe mommy or daddy will give me applause if I do it this way. Where at five-year-old, they don't care. And we have to oh, kind of... No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, like they'll, there's no filter. They'll say what's on the top of their oh, mind. Oh my gosh. They'll yeah. like what they like. And pretty much, I think if we can think back, if sometimes, especially like when you lose sight of where you are, it doesn't matter whether you're 80, you can still think back to the way you were at five years old and just think, what was I passionate about? And, and unfortunately, some of us have had childhood memories that might scar that stage, mm-hmm. stage in our lives. It's really about just finding out who you really are. Like, you tell these little kids, man, even as young as two. Like, my son was totally into Lego at two years old. I'm like, uh, he is totally going to be an engineer when he's older. Or having a musical talent or being artistic or even for me, like, I come from an entrepreneurial family. My dad was an entrepreneur too, and I was selling chocolates at 12. Like, okay, there's a bake sale. I'm not going to buy them. I'm going to make them and make some money. So, of course, I had that entrepreneurial gene in me. And these are the things I think a lot of us lose sight of who we are because we get so worried about what everybody else is doing. And believe me, I've bought all the courses and the mentoring and the coaching and the products out there to try to learn about all the techniques. And what the lesson I learned from when the business of me when I was teaching video marketing is you can't base your business and your focus on trends or things that come and go. You know, what I was teaching three years ago was relevant, but a lot of it's not relevant anymore because there's some of the Software programs are no longer available. Some of the, the ways we do things on just don't work anymore. And you have to be willing to pivot. So depending on you know where you're at, it's not to say you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you still, if you know that you're aligned with something that's where you're meant to be, everything else will fall into place. So Absolutely. Yeah. What I found, especially between 2015 and 2016, was that I was building products and services based upon the successes that I saw other entrepreneurs having. Yeah. But my twins who are three now were born in January 2015. With all my other children, I can remember when they first walked, when they crawled, when they said their first words. I was so busy chasing the successes and the income that I saw other people having on Facebook if what they were telling was the truth, which many I've discovered (laughs) a lot of them aren't telling the truth. That I don't remember when my twins crawled or stood for the first time. I don't remember their first words. I don't remember those things because I was so busy being busy. I was hustling hard to do stuff that I wasn't even passionate about. And by the time it all came crashing down for me, also in 2016, I was just so depleted. I mean, I was losing patience, my patience way more than necessary. My husband wasn't seeing enough of me. Our marriage was suffering. And it all came to a head one night when I was just laying in bed, quite literally trying to figure out how I was going to kill myself. And I prayed, I prayed and prayed and prayed and had a major turnaround. And then it just smacked me in my face what I was actually supposed to be doing. Exactly. But you had to take that time to go, you know what, I need to stop and listen. And that's so hard sometimes, stopping it and is, listening. Especially when you've got your demands. I mean, I don't know how you manage to do what you're doing with five kids. I mean, for me, just keeping myself together with three is enough. <laughs> but, yeah. But I know, and I also feel guilty and feel bad about those. Like, I look at my third child as well. My first two, I was working at home. But my third one, I literally 
a professional photographer for 12 years and I had a studio in my home and I still have all the equipment. But I was, when I was pregnant with her, I literally, two weeks before I had her, I was lying on my side, like feeling physically sick because I was underweight. I wasn't feeding myself properly. And she was born early. You know, as long as I got those clients' photos, it was great. And then 10 days later, I was back again doing the same thing. And I never really gave myself time. So I was, you know, managing a newborn and a business because I'd built the business at a stage when I didn't have a, a baby. My kids were older at that stage. And I realized I just couldn't do it anymore. The business model that worked, worked when it did and it was great. But now my whole family dynamics had changed. Like I didn't want to constantly be bringing people in my house with a newborn baby at home. It was, it just wasn't conducive to running a business or having a family. And that's why I think, you know, seasons are good and understanding that maybe what worked then doesn't work anymore. And it's not a problem to say, okay, let's adjust, let's pivot, let's change, let's work with the times. And, and frankly, if there's something you don't want to do anymore, why do you keep doing it? I mean, if you're saying it's just for the money, well, then I'm sorry, that's, that's not a good enough excuse. It's definitely not a good enough yeah. excuse. You get to a stage when you're earning a certain amount and after, you know, once you've got the bills paid and you pass that whole sort of stress part and you, you, things are flowing, how much money is enough, right? I mean, now I look back, I mean, I, as a photographer, I was creating albums for other people. I don't have an album for my third baby. I can't even remember, like you, I don't remember when she crawled or when she walked. And I, I think I might have some scraps of paper lying somewhere. And one day she's going to ask me, Mom, let me see my baby album. I'm going to be like, um, well, you see, I have a bunch of CDs sitting in the drawer that I haven't really had a chance to print. But you were so cute. <laughs> I, w- I would have to say, okay, let's pull up Facebook and see what I shared there because there are none here. I have literally had these two frame collage things hanging on my wall in my living room since we moved into our house four years ago. The frames are still empty. Yeah, Like I ordered photos once. I sent them into one of the local big box stores and I never picked them up. So they sent me a warning that if I wasn't there within a week, they were going to have to get rid of them. I had already paid for them. They're gone. That was like a year ago, over a year ago. And I've just never done it. So they're still hanging on my wall. They've got cobwebs, (laughs) but they don't have pictures in them. But then you look back and this is the thing is you start to realize like, as a photographer, you can tell I'm very sentimental. Like I shot weddings for five years. I've done babies. I primarily, if you look me up on Amazon, my first two books were about baby photography. And to me, it's all been, was about, you can only cherish these moments for now. Your babies will grow, but if you don't capture now, it's lost forever. And I was doing that great for everybody else but myself. I mean, several of my wedding clients, like, I mean, I bumped into one the other day at church. I photographed their wedding 12 years ago. She argued with me at this, I remember her arguing with me, but I don't know if I need an album. You know, I'm just kind of like, I'm like, girl, you need an album. 12 years later, three kids later, she's like, I'm so glad we got an album and got to share because four of the people at my wedding have all passed away. All you have left are the memories that you make and the memories that you keep. And at the end of the day, if we're so busy with our minds and our businesses and our bank balances and trying to impress the Joneses and people on Facebook, if you can't remember and everything's a blur, really, like, what are we doing? Seriously, it's like, it's sad. And once people pass away, like once my mother-in-law passed away, I'd realize all those times I would get, you know, all huffy about how things didn't go my way or if we went on family vacations and this person wasn't talking to this one and the kids fought and I'd get so annoyed. Instead of enjoying the moment where I was at, 
I totally squandered it because I was so worried about what I would do tomorrow or next month or next year. So for me, it's been a huge slap in the face and a huge realization. The only thing I have left of her to remember is the memories she's left and what she taught me. And for me as well, one of the other things I haven't mentioned is that the book came out on May the 11th, which is the anniversary of when she passed away because I really felt she was an integral part of my healing process because when I was a teenager, when I met my then boyfriend who's become husband, her ministry helped me. And I believe, you know, doing things with a legacy, like I know that this book probably won't make me a ton of money, but at the end of the day, it's a legacy. It's my story. It's to say that, you know, to show and help other people that their story matters and that to create a life and a legacy for years to come that, you know, what we do today does have impact on what happens tomorrow and it does affect the people around us. So, yeah, that's pretty much why. It, and then, you know, and of course it was published on Mother's Day weekend just to really help mothers appreciate themselves because, you know, we are, we are our own worst critics. We don't give ourselves the credit that is due and we're not as kind to ourselves as we are to everyone else. So it's just a huge reminder of, you know, we need to take care of ourselves and so we can take care of others. Yes, we do. So I have a couple questions for you. First, how is your son? Were you able to help him? Yeah, I mean, he's doing so much better with a lot of prayer, a lot of help. And, you know, as I said, we did get medical help and we've had um, under the care of a doctor. And, and, and that's the thing is sometimes you, there's things that you can't control. You just have to go through the process that no matter how painful it is, you know, every day my husband and I celebrate the little wins. I mean, everything from changing school systems and, you know, yay, we got a smile today. Yay, he's excited about this. Or every little tiny win is huge for us because we know where we were two or three years ago and how hard that was. And, you know, as I said, it's just every day's baby steps. You just have to celebrate today and appreciate, okay, we're not where we want to be, but thank the Lord we're not where we used to be. So, yeah, as I said, you know, it's still a process, but I'm walking it out in faith and knowing that, you know, God's given me promises that things will turn out for the best. I just have to hold tight to my faith and just keep taking, putting one foot in front of the other and just continuing on. Oh, I love that. And what self-care systems do you have in your life now? Yeah, I mean, for me, I have to prioritize sleep. Like, I'm one of those people, like, the most fun I have is a Sunday afternoon when I can have an uninterrupted nap. And I've realized if I don't do that for myself, and especially, like, if you think about it, every hour, like, you go to bed late during the week, that's seven hours that you've missed a whole night's worth of sleep. And I can tell totally in my moods. If I don't get sleep, I've had to, I mean, I've also, during the years I discovered I had celiac disease, so I was had to really go on a strict gluten-free diet. So I have to be very careful what I eat. And I know that my moods, if I eat too much sugar, I get really ready and I get, you know, angry. So sometimes it's not just a, a mental issue. It's a physical issue, like stop eating junk, like duh. I can't uh, manage my days without my Google calendar. And I know it sounds funny, but I have had to schedule my nap times and my skip my massage times and my times with myself. Like I, one of my favorite things to do that I do for myself is figure skating. Like I have a, um, a weekly commitment that I go to. I'm actually training to compete in some of the amateur adult skating levels and learning to figure skate and, you know, pushing myself with that and giving myself goals. And knowing that no matter what happens, even if sometimes I don't feel like it, I have to get my butt out to go on the rink and get that practice in. And also just things like being very strict with my time. Like I will, I know for myself, the way that I'm at, where I'm at in my life right now is I can only deal with one client at a time to give them my undivided attention. I can't have too many projects going on. And I've, I've learned to say no. I know it's one of the most underutilized words in the dictionary that a lot of us could learn. 
And another thing is I've switched off notifications on my phone. Like I was like, oh, let me see. Oh, let me see. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Who's Facebook? You know, I have to, I've switched them all off. And when I'm right and ready, I'll go and check email. And I'll go check Facebook. And I'm not on the apps. And I realize I've noticed this, like, especially with this book launch, I had to be more on Facebook than I usually am. And I started to feel aggravated. Like, oh, yes. Oh, I've got to check, got to check. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You don't have to check. You know, wanting to make sure that I could answer every comment and every post that came through. But I realized that, you know, I can't let this little device run my life. It really it steals my peace. And I have to just really be strict about my time and, and knowing. So everybody gets the bit of me that needs me without me feeling like, and especially me, getting those times where I can re- rejuvenate myself. So I have more to give others. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Last night I was about – three minutes away from having a show ready to just post on my website, but my eyes were crossing. And as much as I just wanted to push, I mean, it was literally three minutes. I'm not exaggerating here. I was like, I just need to go lie down. And I actually asked my husband, can I just have 20 minutes? It was already 11 o'clock though. He knows how that works. (laughs) And next thing I know, it's 6.30 this morning. And I was actually really appreciative because I know I needed that sleep last night and I got my seven and a half hours. But we need to stop pushing ourselves, you know, that far. When our eyes are crossing, that's a sign. Go to bed. Just go to bed. Like when I talk about people and productivity, I have the triple D strategy, which is, no, it's not a bra size. It is delegate. (laughs) You're cracking me up. <laughs> you know, it's either you have to delegate. If there's something that somebody else can do quicker, cheaper, and faster than you, you need to de- delegate it. Then the other bucket is do. Like if there's only things that only you can do that you have that skill, then that needs to be the shortest list. And the, my favorite is ditch. If it's not meant to be, like sometimes we have these things on our list. And, you know, you keep moving it, moving it. Is it really that serious if you don't learn how to speak French this year? Like seriously. Like, let's prioritize what really needs to be done. Because sometimes when you say no and you just cross, uh, totally cross it off your list, you'll be surprised how relieved you'll feel. It takes this weight off your shoulders. Because sometimes we add things to our schedule or our the pressure of what we feel we need to do. And that sometimes it's not necessary. So, yeah, those are just my food for thought is, you know, when you're trying to reprioritize yourself, putting them in, in those buckets really helps to really put it in the right perspective. Absolutely. Just this year, I've been introduced to Focuster app, which I enter my to-do list items in there and I tell it how long it will take. Think about it. We really do know how long something will take unless we haven't planned it out properly. So what it does is it takes each of those items and it schedules it into my Google Calendar and it tells me how much over I have scheduled myself for the day which has Mm. been amazing. But I've gotten to the point where I block out time on my calendar for my kids. I block out time like in the morning when I'm getting my littles ready for daycare. I've even started, I have a recurring task in Focuster for shower, hair, and makeup. Because (laughs) as a stay-at-home or a work-at-home mom, you know, even though the kids aren't here, I will not deny that there are days that I I don't do that until three o'clock in the afternoon because I've let everything else get in the way first. But with Focuster actually scheduling it into my Google Calendar, it's gamifying it for me. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know I have 45 minutes blocked out for shower, hair, and makeup, but let's see if I can get it done in 20 minutes and then get more done. 
Exactly, right? And then also sometimes it, it helps you realize that how much you are doing and realizing, well, whoa, this is actually you know, not realistic. This isn't going to get done. And then also just help giving you that sense of completion, like even writing my book. I've been wanting to write this book for four years. Then I decided I was actually going to do it and started doing the framework like a year and a half ago. And was always like, oh, I've got, I've got to do it, but I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And eventually I was like, I have got to get this done. So within three months when I sat my butt down, I used a spreadsheet and really every day, like the first day, a couple of days were like 100 words, 200 words. And I was like, okay, it's fine as long as I'm celebrating the little wins. And eventually I built up momentum. Towards the end, the last three weeks, I was doing like 6,000 words a day. And I was like, hey, if I told myself that back then you should write 6,000 words a day, I'd be like, forget that. Totally overwhelmed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the whole, isn't it something called like the Kaizen approach where it's a series of little wins that help you, just like if you're going to the gym, nothing happens overnight. And believe me, there is no overnight success. It's all like 10% a day, just grow 10% of what you did yesterday and just the succession of little wins and feeling like you're actually accomplishing something is far more effective mentally and in keeping you motivated than actually having this huge grandiose goal. So yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a great way. Absolutely. I'm sorry, this is TMI, but I know that I have been neglecting my self-care when it's time for a kid's soccer game and I need to wear shorts and I realized, oh my gosh, it's been a year since I shaved my legs. I <laughs> know, right? That's me being totally transparent right there. I'm like... You and each other mother. <laughs> I'm like, I look at my husband, and I'm like, I can't believe you didn't say anything. Just like, <laughs> you've seen this. I mean, I've seen it too, but I'm like, really? <laughs> exactly right. And sometimes, I mean, God bless our husbands. They're just, you know, okay, honey, whatever makes you happy. And you know, thank goodness they have that patience. And also, and even for my husband, you know, I'm very thankful that God's given me a man who's able to say he's very, I mean, us South Africans will tell it like it is. There's no sugar coating. He says, you are a mess. You need to go sleep. You know, you are just being way too grumpy. I don't want to deal with you right now. Go take a nap. Because he knows me. He's like, I need to go to nap. And then I'm like, a princess has a nap. And he's like, oh, yay. Like the same thing as I understand him. His thing when he's being grumpy, you got to go, go play golf. Go and play golf. Do me a favor and go play golf because you come back, you're sweeter, you're kinder, you help with the dishes, you're happy to help with the kids. Then there's no argument. So there you go, some marriage advice too. Uh -huh. Well, actually, my husband realizes when I get grouchy that it usually means I haven't eaten recently. He's like, he stopped asking what I've eaten and he's just started making food and he'll just say, eat this because I'm really like a bad example of a Snickers commercial. I mean, I turn into a monster. I'm like, oh, don't eat. And I'm like, why am I feeling so sick, like dizzy? Oh, wait. Like when I get busy and I get anxious, I don't eat. I go on a, a hunger strike. And I know people are like, oh, no, but it's not so good because you can't focus and you feel grumpy and everything falls apart. So. Yeah, my stomach starts eating my head. And then the other thing that he'll do is he'll actually turn on the bath and He'll leave the water running. He's like, if you don't leave your computer, then you are going to cause a flood in our house. So get you off. <laughs> yep. Go take a bath and relax. Exactly. Forced relaxation. So there you go. We're giving you productivity tips, life skills, business tips. You know, we've packed it in this today. <laughs> absolutely. Mamika, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Where can listeners find you online and get a copy of of your book and connect sure well the best place to find me is always at my home base which is my website which is just like my name mamikacooney.com and it's m-i-m-i-k-a 
C-O-O-N-E-Y.com. And if you go there, I've actually got a whole bunch of free goodies you can download because I do graphic design and I'm a photographer and I have a lot of great eye candy. Part of my the stuff I'm always giving downloads and printables. I have a little shop as well where you can get a lot of inspirational stuff there too, as well as checklists and there's a whole bunch of things. So whether you're in business or you want some, you know, inspiration, you can go there. So, and then of course the, with the book Warrior to Warrior: A Mother's Journey from Fear to Faith, I do sell them on my website, on my shop as well. If you want an author signed copy, but they are available in all good bookstores like Amazon. So definitely go to Amazon and please leave a review. I love reviews. It's also on Barnes and Noble and. I have also, part of this process has been fun. There's a, there's a Kindle version, there's a paperback, and soon to be a hardback, and an audio version. I'm going to be doing that this weekend. It's going to be so fabulous. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a blast. It's going to be totally fun. Yeah. yeah. Listeners, you can get the links to everything that we've talked about, because I know we've covered so much more than we've just covered so much here. You can find all the links at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP374. Again, thekimsutton.com forward slash PP374. Mimika, thank you so much again. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I definitely would say, you know, give yourself the time to really sit and think and realign yourself whether you're a person of faith or not, sometimes we just need to go back to home base and realize, okay, what is my motivation? What is my purpose? And should I be doing this? Because sometimes a lot of the other problems that surface in our life and our business are a result of that internal conflict. So I would definitely say, you know, take time to take stock. It doesn't have to be long. It could be a day. Like, And one of my favorite things is journaling. Like sometimes when you journal, it helps to get your thoughts out from your head so you don't feel like your head's going to explode. And also you can look back and see, you know, how things have changed and where you've come from so you can see that growth. So I definitely would say, you know, even take five minutes for yourself today, no matter what it is, and just, you know, really think of by you filling up your cup, you can help to fill up others. So, yeah, that's my advice. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.